Um, shit. <laughs> you all right there? Oh yeah, I just took a. I'm about to be up in the air. Um. Oh, oh, actually, hold on, hold on one second. Give me, I'll be, uh, give me like five seconds. All right, I made it back. Well, thank God for that. It was more than five seconds. I had to go get my tea. I got cotton mouth like a motherfucker now. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I uh, thought that I, I thought I was gonna pass out just a second ago. <laughs> it's gonna be great if you pass out on the show. <laughs> I don't think so. I'll have to disagree, Bob. Welcome everyone to the new episode of the Unbalanced Note, and we are back with the original duo, the twofer, the twosome, the gruesome twosome, Brian Kluger, myself, and the man I want to uh, play the piano with side by side, uh, eloquently and loudly, Jacob Douglas. We're back together, bud. What's up? It's like Elton John and Bernie Taupin right here, a dynamic duo. <laughs> the dynamic duo. Are gruesome the gruesome twosome is, is probably like the best nickname for us. No, not the ambiguously gay duo. I will take the gruesome twosome, though. Okay, we are the gruesome twosome. Uh, hey, man, it's been, I think, our last episode we did together was uh, in early March, and so much has happened since then. And you're you're doing well. You're how how you feeling, man? Oh, I'm good, man. I'm I'm still like slowly uh, ascending the, uh, you know, it's like the like the Texas giant, right? You're going up that for that first drop, and the the chains are just clicking, and you you just keep ascending. You're going up and up, and I'm just waiting for the free fall again. <laughs> <laughs> no. Free fall, no free fall. But I'm good, Not man. Whatsoever. I, I, I'm in my new place, so I'm slowly like piecing that together, and you know, not not being in a hurry, and I'm doing all right. How's it I going heard- over? The, how's it going over there? Oh, I, and also, thank you for the chair. My ass really appreciates it. Oh, good. A, a little reclub, a, a recliner leather uh, chair. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, good. Good. The Put beat, your feet the, up. What you referred to as the beat off station. The beat off station. Oh, that's what it is. So I hope hopefully, hopefully said, although you said beat beto session, <laughs> but you said beat off. Beat off session. Be- hopefully it's still some good use. Speaking of, <laughs> wait a minute, before we go any further though, I can't believe I didn't even text you about this. And me when since I just said beat oven, it reminded me of it. Have you seen the trailer for the Bill and Ted movie? Yes, yeah, so I've been receiving a bunch of press releases about the film, and they finally released a really short trailer for Bill and Ted 3. Very excited. Allegedly, it's going to come out later this year. We'll, we'll see. But uh, this movie, I'm super excited about this film, Bill and Ted 3. They're back. Uh, the trailer doesn't look great. Like, they just didn't cut it well, but I'm still super excited about this movie. What really, do, what dude? Do you think? I fucking thought the trailer was awesome. Good, good. I'm glad you did. <laughs> I can't believe you. I what? I can't believe you didn't like it though. I'm confused now. I'm kind of upset. I know. I I, I watched the trailer. It's like, oh man, this trailer could have. Like the trailer 
excited me because it is Bill and Ted again. But and you know, it's kind of cool to see the the phone booth. But I just the trailer just like didn't excite me. Like I gotta see this now. I was like, and I'm still excited to see this. But I you know, <clears throat> I know what it is. I know exactly what it is. This what is, is one of the. This is one of those moments where. You're ex- you're expecting too much from it. It would be like the same thing if they did Wayne's World three. It'd be real easy to critique it, but I think this is one of those things where we just have to let it happen and like enjoy the ride. I'm surprised they did it, or they you know that well, they, on, they were both on board it. with it. Well, they were trying to do it for years, and they finally got the script they liked. And like, I, I'm not saying I don't want to see it. I'm saying I am super excited to see it. Like, I would rather see. Bill and Ted three more so than any movie this year in the theater. Like I won't go see, I would rather go see Bill and Ted three in the theater during this whole quarantine than go see tenant from Christopher Nolan. I'm, I'm really there. I'm just saying the trailer I think could have been cut better, but I'm still super excited to see this movie. I'm, I'm fucking passionate about it. Okay. Just one more question and then we'll move on. And this is in reference to Bill and Ted. With the with technology, right, and CGI, do you think that Rufus will be in the movie? No, I do not think George Carlin will be in the movie. Maybe there's like a picture of him somewhere, like in a frame or something like that, or they'll have like like, like a in hologram, the, like in the phone booth or something. Yeah, or like a hologram of like just him in the background, like not saying anything, but just like his image. But yeah. I don't think or actually be like voice work and him showing up really i hope so though <laughs> they'll get another they'll make something like it's the new rufus but at rufus. least we saw death in there yeah death is well, back. <laughs> i could i could so, do i could take or leave that i just love the fucking i love george carlin in it you know in the first one no, uh, well, in the second one, I like Bo. He was great in both. So, no, Bill and Ted three can't wait. So there you go, Bill and Ted three. But we have an excellent show today on the unbalanced note. We have, have not been together doing this show live since March, but we're back doing it now. And we're doing it live, but we're uh, not doing it together. We're we're in satellite locations. Yes, we are in satellite locations with the use of technology. Thanks, but, Al Gore. Thank you. So right now, we there, our main event tonight is going to be uh, the godfather of soul, hip-hop, rock, basically. Little Richard, kind of guys, kind of started it all. Uh, we're going to talk about him. We've got a one-hit wonder. We've got a classic rock album. We've got a meet the new band uh segment which is going to be super fun but first let's do a little bit of news because you know nothing's really happening in the music world like like as far as live music or anything but i guess as of yesterday paul mccartney has announced a new flaming pie box set and this paul mccartney just doesn't stop no matter what uh is going on so the 1997 album is going to be remastered and repackaged with demos, acoustic tracks, and outtakes, and all sorts of stuff. And it seems 
like Paul McCartney, this is an MO, a way to make money, just repackaging and refurbishing every album he's ever made. This one, Flaming Pie, will come with four LPs, five CDs, and two DVDs, along with art prints, essay books, and memorabilia, which I imagine this is going to be super, super expensive. It's going to come out July 31st. Uh, I don't know. What do you think about all this Paul McCartney stuff? Are, are you a fan of the flaming pie? Unfortunately, it does not, not come with an actual pie. A hair pie, a flaming hair pie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dude, he has to. Every, when Heather Mills left him and took her leg, he had to start releasing more shit. Dude, she cleaned him out. She took all of his money. That was like Michael Jackson round two when he when he bought all the fucking Beatles songs. So you think he's just doing this? Just well, the dude, the dude. Oh, fuck, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. I know you are, but I'm just kind of saying, like, he's got money, but, and I guess he's not doing anything new now. But I get, I mean, well, what's do he? Th- what do you want? What do you want him? What do you want that guy to do? Like, he hasn't written enough great shit. No, I'm. He's still. He's one of the only few people who's his age still releasing new stuff here and there. Yeah. Uh, I. But do you think releasing all this stuff, do you think this is just for hardcore fans? Do you think like the regular Joe is going to come out and like, yeah, I got to get this type of thing? Maybe not the crazy box set, but I would assume he's probably, you know, they'll probably remaster the, you know, there'll probably be like a remaster of the, you know, a single disc CD and probably just the record would be my guess. But I don't know. I'm not really, you know, I like McCartney. All right. I was actually thinking about joining a Wings uh, cover band or tribute band, however you want to look at it. But then when the COVID thing happened, that kind of got, you know, put on the back burner. So I learned, I learned the Wings Over America album, that triple live album. That's really fun. That that's good. But you know, McCartney is like my least favorite Beatle. But I mean, he's still. I'm not. But in saying that, I'm not saying that he's. He's obviously great. No, he is good, and I. I, I, I mean, just I like I relate to him. I relate more to Ringo than I do Paul. Like Paul, Paul to me was always like the, yeah, George is, dude, George is the best Beatle. Was the best Beatle. But no, I get you. I get you. I I like Paul McCartney too. I I like all the Beatles. Kind of like trying to pick a favorite Tarantino movie. They're all pretty good. That's a great, that's a great way to fucking, to to sum it up. But I mean, if if I was going to prioritize him, like he would be my least favorite. Yeah, there you go. But yeah, but he, do, did, but he did write one of my favorite Beatles songs. Who? Which one? I've just seen a face. No, oh, all right. Love that song. So, do you like the Flaming Pie album? I don't even. I'm not even really that familiar with that album. But that's like what you said. That album came out in '97. Yes. Yeah. See, I mean, even when that album came out, let's see, I was 13. I wasn't into. I wasn't into that. Well, but I don't think I've ever gone back and listened to, you know, I'd have to look at the cover. I don't want to look. I don't want to get on the computer right now. And you have to hear the. No. Fucking... I, yeah. No, but I think I, Paul McCartney has such an extensive catalog with like many different bands, solo and Beatles. It's just it's crazy. So there he's you go. Pro, there. He's a prolific guy. He's like our friend Frank Zappa. No, he is. Maybe and that's what he's trying. Maybe that's what he's trying to do. He's he might be trying to catch Zappa on releases. Although I think he's got a long way to go. Yeah. 
So speaking of prolific artists, uh, it was announced this week that Bob Dylan has announced a new album called Rough and Rowdy Ways. And it is a 10 al- or ten song album uh, with songs like False Prophet, Black Rider, Goodbye Jimmy Reed, Co- Crossing the Rubicon, and Murder Most Foul. Uh, the dude, Bob Dylan, he does not have a voice anymore. He kind of sounds like a less impressive Tom Waits. Did he ever uh, have a voice, though? He did. He could sing when he was, you know, had a higher voice. But no, he just sounds like this. And he does blah, 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 blah. So have you, ever seen, have you ever seen him live? I saw him live three times in a row when he came to Dallas. Uh, oh, at the My- was that at the Meyerson? No, it was at House of Blues in like 2005 or six or something like that. I still have like the concert poster. Wait a minute. I think I was, I think I was at that show. He played three nights. He had his his Oscar. He won for Wonder Boys front and center on the stage next to him. Wasn't that, <laughs> didn't he? Hold because I've seen him. I saw him at Bonnaroo, and then I've seen him one other time. Maybe it wasn't at that. At I think I saw him at the at the Opera House or something. I mean, I don't think it was House of Blues. I'd have remembered that. Well, it's interesting. Well, this this album comes out June nineteenth and is his first original album uh, since two thousand twelve. So it's been eight years since he's done a new one. Well, he's done, but, but he's done albums in between then, though. Like right, he, he, he did those albums of yeah, yeah. all Frank Sinatra songs. Right. So new new album from Bob Dylan. I'm curious for sure to see what he's doing. Rough and rowdy ways. Uh, the dude is he's an old man now. Sounds tough. <laughs> well, there's no denying that. Right. I, I agree. And then a uh, last bit of news that I have to bring up. Uh, maybe maybe Jacob will be very excited about this. You always say that and I never am. Well, why why is that? I think because I think you'd you'd like to build me up just to let me down. Just to let you down. Well, <laughs> hopefully this doesn't let you down. But Toots and the Maidles announce a new album. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I actually am excited. I, I, you called it. Good, good. I called it uh, Toots and the Maidles, the big reggae legendary uh, music group. Got a new album coming out. It's called Got to Be Tough, and it comes out August 28th. And oh my goodness, you've got uh, songs like Drop Off Head, Got to Be Tough, Stand Accused, Three Little Birds, featuring Ziggy Marley having a party and struggle. I'm kind of excited about Toots and the Mato Man. I like I like this like this dude. Yeah, God, I wonder how old he is. He's got to be like close to fucking eighty, I bet. I am looking up Toots and the Mato right now, and I'm gonna look up how uh, <laughs> old he is. Um, so he is, he was born in 1942. Okay. I'm, so I was so right. He's, he's almost 80. I knew it. Uh, I saw them at the gypsy tea room in like, man, 2004 or five. And, uh, that's probably like the one concert I could honestly say that there wasn't a single person there that wasn't smoking pot. I mean, it was, <laughs> dude, it was like, fuck it. was like fucking can cannabis fest in there, man. It was incredible. 
So I'm I'm super excited about this uh, because yeah, Natal's fucking rules. Yeah, and he has like what 20, 25 albums, like oh, you yeah. know, studio albums, and then not to mention his live stuff. Yeah, dude, he's man. I, you know, I'm I'm kind of wondering though, like that's kind of a band. Like Bob Dylan obviously doesn't need money, and this whole fucking COVID shutdown shit, you know, no concerts ain't really gonna affect him. But I figure Toots and the Maytals, they probably rely heavily on you know uh, revenue from touring, not so much album sales. You know what I mean? Not that anybody's getting paid on them anyway, but I wonder if that's like a fucking you know gonna sink their ship, you know? Because I think there's a lot of bands that are, aren't gonna be able to come out of this uh yeah i uh i mean it depends on how they're gonna do uh what they're how they're doing a tour live like are they just gonna play a concert and they're gonna show it at drive-in theaters or something like that or are they gonna space out people in a concert venue with plexiglass i don't know it has not been done yet so they need to get they need to just let people fucking go do their shit it's it's crazy. crazy. I want to go to I want to go to a goddamn Toots and the Maytal show. What the fuck? Damn it, <laughs> Corona. Damn it, COVID. Yeah, no, we want to go to a Toots and the Maytal show. If we can go to a Toots and the Maytal show, uh, Jacob and I will be there to oh, report. Dude, it, man, it's fuck, it'd be awesome if we could get him on here. May I? I'll see what we can do. We'll do a Toots and the Maytal show and see if we can get him on. Yeah. Fucking smoke some country cabbage with him. <laughs> I like that. The electric lettuce. Yeah, uh, electric lettuce, baby. Electric lettuce, baby. So that's a little bit of the news here and about. But let's move on to our segment, our classic album of the week, where we discuss a cool classic album, uh, you know, from history. And we just want to say how great it is. This this week's episode on the Unbalanced Note is Argus, the album Argus by Wishbone Ash, a British rock band from the early to mid-70s who had a ton of albums, which I so enjoy, thanks to my good buddy Jacob Douglas, who turned me on to them, and I just became obsessed, got pretty much every album they owned, and they're I probably... One of my favorite, if not my most favorite, Wishbone Ash album, along with the most, uh, the, the hardest to find one, is Argus from look up to wishbone ash even though if you haven't heard of them but like thin lizzy iron maiden and um leonard yeah. skinner deep purple black sabbath they all like wishbone ash right dude they, they basically without wishbone ash you would have had no thin lizzy like that was kind of the or, sorry not uh iron maiden you would have had no iron maiden um criminally just like fucking overlooked band i mean so good like i think they're one of, i think they're one of those bands that was too good like, Pink so why Floyd, do you think, why Pink do you Floyd kind of had like that fucking uh, 
you know, they had like accessible, you know, they wrote hits, you know, like they wrote fucking hits radio songs and wishbone ash was just like too too in depth and like too methodical too good really they're just too good but nobody knows hardly anybody knows who the fuck they are no it's weird so uh was it ted turner and martin turner weren't they the ones that kind of come into the band uh ted turner from cnn Yes, Ted Turner from CNN. <laughs> no, I think was it Martin Turner and Steve Upton or something like that, and they started playing, and then they got other people into the band back then, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. Andy Powell was the guitar player, so like there was a he played a flying V. Andy Andy Powell played a, a flying V, but uh, yeah, they were dude. Every anytime I would ever listen to them, like at the store. It never, it never, it never, without fail, people would just, who is this? What is this? Who, I've never heard this before. Who is it? And they'd say, you know, tell them Wishbone Ash and they'd have, are they new? Because they don't, they, they have that kind of, they do somewhat sound old, but it's kind of like the Stones. It's like when you, li- when you listen to the Stones, yeah, it sounds like 1970, but it does, it doesn't necessarily sound like David, if that makes sense. No, for sure, for sure. I don't think I, it has this. It has almost kind of like a free flowing rock, but with a more hardcore Iron Maiden thing to it. Uh, I think like the harmony guitars and stuff like that. So off this album, Argus, Jacob first introduced me, and there was a song called the king will come and it's just so damn good <laughs> dude it's a fuck that's one of those like this is a perfect album to me like even before you even before you hear any music on it and you just look at the cover you, you you're like dude this is going to be epic like this is going to be a, an epic listen and then you bam like you you start you start the record going and then it's like this it's just like this big fucking musical musical journey of like crazy prog and kind of kind of folky but and it's got like a weird like a i don't know renaissance fair kind of like undertone mid, kind of medieval i guess medieval undertone kind of like iron maiden was like they they have that i don't really know how to describe it but it's like minor chord you know rock and roll that's real moody no for sure there it's it is but there's also like it also takes you on like a cosmic journey almost as well. Like I feel like I'm taking a, a exploring space and time while listening to this album by Dude. at the same time feeling grounded. Well, because well, it's very like it's not like King Crimson, right? Is very, you know, it's it's too, it's almost non-musical because it's so musical, but it's it's a tough listen. And Wishbone Ash is like real acceptable accessible kind of kind of more meat and potatoes but still very very like you know brilliant songwriters man like great fucking lyrics great great like guitar chord changes unexpected moments and songs but yeah man that king the king will come again album i think i think that's like the first song on the second side too and that's like i think that album both sides of the record i think both start with like huge jammers like i can't remember the name of the the Time was, which was that's like a minutes. ten minute. Yes, yeah. yeah. And, and then I, the, and then the king will come, will come again. Is like, yeah. 
That's like 10 minutes, isn't it? Uh, seven minutes, a little over seven minutes. Okay, yeah. But th- so both of those songs, I mean, that's like unheard of. And, you know, to start both sides of a record with, you know, seven plus minute songs is that's ballsy. No, it is. It is. And so I, just to reiterate what Jacob said, um, there was an interview on Guitar World in 2011 with uh, Iron Maiden musician Steve Harris, who said, if I think if anyone wants to understand Maiden's early thing, in particular, particular the harmony guitars, all they have to do is listen to Wishbone Ash's Argus album. Yeah, dude, he's totally right. I mean, because it's kind of like the, the double guitar thing. You know, the Allman Brothers kind of started it, you know, like the lead guitar thing. And then, yeah. you know, uh, Thin Lizzy took it a direction. But, uh, yeah, the you know, the the Wishbone Ash thing, I mean, it was like they were playing guitar harmonies that, you know, people hadn't heard of before. Almost kind of classical, like you get a violin and a cello, like playing off each other. Maybe one's playing like a fifth and... Maybe this person's playing the seventh, you know, and it's very, very, very interesting. Under, criminally underrated fucking band, but I'm kind of fine with that, actually. Like, I'd kind of prefer no one to know who they are a little bit because I feel like they're, you know, like my secret, you know, like, ooh, no one else knows about this. Well, thank you for sharing your secret with me. You're <laughs> my super, my super secret secret that anybody could have found on the Internet anywhere. Yeah, I know, right? Um, and then, well, then I, I also think though that there's a there is like a direct Iron Maiden tie-in with this with this band because I'm pretty certain that I don't know if he did this album, but there was like this fucking highly sought after producer, or maybe he was a sound engineer, one of the two. His name was Martin Birch. Yeah, and he was like. Like Iron Maiden, he did. I think he did all the Iron Maiden albums, like the classic Iron Maiden he albums. Did. He did Deep Purple and Black Sabbath as well. Was the sound engineer? Okay, I didn't know. I didn't know the Black Sabbath, but I knew he did like all the great, like you know, the first seven Iron Maiden records. So I'm sure Martin Birch was like, "Okay, this is gonna sound good. We, you should listen to Wishbone Ash." And oh, Iron they, Maiden. dude, they knew though. Like, there's see, that's the thing. Like, I don't think people in America really you know wishbone ash was you know they were big like they they became pretty successful but nowhere near what they should have been in my opinion yeah but people in europe you know definitely knew who the fuck they were i mean think about like steve steve harris is the bass player in iron maiden so he was probably he's roughly the same age as these guys you know maybe a little younger so he probably just idolized them you know they they might have even been from like the their hometown or something, right? So he knew who they were, and he just kind of picked up on what they were doing and you know moved it forward. But I'd definitely say, without a doubt, that if there was no Wishbone Ash, there'd be definitely no fucking Iron Maiden. No no, no two ways sure. no two ways around it. And then you also have to talk. It's an iconic. Well, not an iconic. Cause nobody might really knows it, but the album cover is so amazing. It's like Jacob said, maybe medieval mixed with a little bit of Star Wars Darth Vader. <laughs> Dude, it, it it's such a fitting like there's certain album covers that just make sense. Like you can you can look at the album cover and know exactly what you're about to hear, right? So like Pink Floyd Dark Side of the Moon, absolutely fitting to the music that's housed inside of that cover, right? 
Guns N' Roses' Appetite for Destruction. Absolutely perfect fitting album cover for the music that goes with it. You know, like you could just you could just stare at this the album cover for Argus while you're listening to the album and feel like you're in like you know, you're in the scene, like you're in fucking Lord of the Rings or something. No, yeah, it's you know what would be awesome to think or see if Argus kind of syncs up with Lord of the Rings at any point in time. <laughs> Man, wait a minute. Have you are you over there smoking weed, dude? What the fuck? <laughs> I don't think I don't think they were that worried about it. But maybe. I don't I mean, who knows? Yeah, I don't know. Dude, we could try it. I got free time. And you know what? If it's not Lord of the Rings, maybe it's one of those fucking Hobbit movies. No, yeah. Well, let's let's give it a try. I'm down to take wait a, a whole. Wouldn't that days. wouldn't that be even more impressive though if a band created an album for a movie that didn't even exist yet? Because <laughs> <Right? laughs> wait, well, this fucking album come mind. out like right? It came out like what, 1971 or 1972, something like yeah. that. 1972. And then they fucking The Hobbit comes out 50 years later, and they nailed it. They had no clue. <laughs> <laughs> They were ahead of their time. <laughs> yeah, and they didn't even know it. They had the they had the Bill and Ted phone booth to get them there. You know who else? Before we move on, you know who else? I think totally ripped off the later period of their career from Wishbone Ash. Who? Led Zeppelin. <laughs> well, didn't Led Zeppelin rip off a lot of people? Pretty much everyone ever. But I'm just saying, like the you know when they got when they got into like physical graffiti on and they kind of they beefed up the sound you know it was more especially when they started to get actually more maybe even around houses of the holy where they started to get you know tolkien references and fucking you know they created symbols for themselves and all that yeah i i would be willing to bet that they owe a huge debt to everyone especially wishbone ash and various uh Delta Delta blues players from the south from the you know 30s 30s to the 60s. No, it, it's it's badass. I love it. Um, I, I yeah. love this band. I all, and so all you, have you never heard of them before? Wishbone Ash before you told me no, I did not. You 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 showed me the Argus album, and I was like, holy shit, this is good. And then I went out to some of the record stores and I think I picked up almost every album, but I could never find Argus. And then yeah. not until, you know, within the last year, a friend who was in um, Florida at a record store found it and uh, gave it to me when it came back. That's one of those albums where it, it's like, why would you get, you wouldn't get rid of that, you know, cause it's so, I, they, they have quite a few not great albums. Like they actually made it, they made a dance album in the nineties. That's really bad. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's just an album where it's like you're not going to find it because a any music head that that gets it isn't going to fucking let it go because why would you get rid of that? Right. No, it, it's that good. I mean, it was it was named in a magazine called Sounds the album of the year in 1972, and when it was released on record in 1972, it would take 30 years later for them to release it on CD. In 2002, which featured a remix by Martin Turner himself. Uh, also, there's been a live album that was released in 2008 of the entire Argus album. Oh, from Philly played the whole thing front to back? Yep. You know, I don't... 
they have a double live album that's really fucking good. See, but do me a favor real quick. I don't want to look it up on my because my my keyboard is so fucking loud. What you said the magazine said it was album of the year in 1972. Yeah, Argus was named album of the year in 1972 year end issue of Sound. So look yeah. up look up what other albums came out in 1972. Like that's a killer year for music. Okay. Best albums of. I think I think that's kind of where they get lost in the shuffle is because they didn't have, you know, a quote unquote like radio hit. They made they made right. epic they made epic albums. They didn't have a decent so, yeah, album with a single it's in, one. It's insane. So Argus by Wishbone Ash, just to prove to you all of you who are listening how wonderful they are. They're the best album of the year that are above who are better than Exile on Main Street by the Rolling Stones, The Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust, David Bowie, Harvest, Neil Young, Machine Head, Deep Purple. Uh, yeah. Thick as a Brick, Jethro Tull. Yeah, 1972. Real shit year for music. <laughs> Talking Book, Stevie Wonder, Volume 4, Black Sabbath, uh, The Slider by T-Rex. Yeah, Superfly Curtis Mayfield. I mean... Holy shit! I mean, yeah, but like I said, that's kind of the that's the one flaw on this album. If if I guess you were gonna look for one, is that there wasn't a, you know, a, a single. There was nothing really that they could play on the radio from that album. Right. You know what I mean? It is a crate that uh, yeah, it's it's wonderful. And then these music scholars named Argus the best of the year. Uh, so great so wonderful so if you find if you find them download it buy the album buy their records you'll like wishbone ash specifically argus classic album of the week down let's go to meet this band i'm super excited about this once again jacob just knowing all of the good stuff really (laughs) uh so i got no life i have no life he has no life uh so Our segment, Meet This Band, is basically we want to tell you about a band that most people might not know about. Like, is this like a band that might be new or old, but it's just kind of fallen under the radar? And we found one, or Jacob found one, and turned me on to them, and I have been listening to them. And so Black Mountain is a Canadian psychedelic rock band from Vancouver. Canadians, they just know their music. So psychedelic rock, I don't know. They've only had only had five studio albums so far, and from starting in 2005 all the way up until last year, 2019. So I don't know a whole lot about them, but I've just listened to a few of their songs on a few of their albums, and I must say I'm just a huge fan right now. So please, Jacob, 
tell tell me how you found Black Mountain. What do you think about them? How how do you describe them? Man, they're like, well, they got dual, you know, they got male, female vocals. So there's kind of like a, I wouldn't compare them to Jefferson Airplane. Um, but they have a cool dynamic, like vocally of the, the female singer and the main, you know, the guitar player singer guy. So there's a cool kind of like push pull that happens vocally with them. But then they're kind to me, they're very like, Dark Side of the Moon, uh, Metal era, Pink Floyd, with some like, you know, Led Zeppelin three moments, and then like a good a good dose of like we well, mentioned it earlier, uh, like Black Sabbath Volume Four, because they get real riff heavy too. You know, they can write nice you know acoustic passage songs like something you would hear on like Led Zeppelin three. Then the very fucking next song, you know, sounds like Sweet Leaf. Right. So I've listened to a few of their albums already, and they kind of have a different sound to each of them. Like one of their sounds kind of was more poppy uh, with rock in it. And like their most recent one, the 2019 Destroyer, Destroyer was very much like like goblin meets black sabbath i think yeah that like, one's very that that's a very big like that album almost plays like the score of a soundtrack a little bit it's real epic you know and there's there's a lot of really long songs on it but i like the first song on that fucking album on destroyer with the keyboard that's just going ding ding yeah it's called sure shade i love it mm-hmm, yeah yeah they're man that's a great they're Another band that just should be fucking huge. Like, but I guess that's just kind of the sign of the times. I mean, they've played in Dallas. I've seen them every time they've been here, and I think they've only been through three times because, again, nobody knows nobody knows who the fuck they are. So every time I've gone to see them, there's like 60 people. Who? Black Mountain? Yeah, Black Mountain. So this, nobody they, knows who they are. No, not a not a fucking clue because I th- I don't think that most people are I don't know how to I don't know how to say this without it sounding negative and it's not a knock on you know people should like what they like in music anyway unless it's post Malone um, but I, I think they're I think they're too uh, I think it's kind of the same thing with Wishbone Ash like they're almost too good they're almost too thought provoking like. They say the lyrics are really, really good. The music is too interesting. Like I don't think I think it's I think it's too uh, I think it's too musical for most people. We're like a band like Tame Impala, you know, that's kind of predictable. You know, they make an album and the whole thing sounds the same. It's very easy to digest. We're like a band like Black Mountain is gonna make an album and it's gonna sound like four different bands on one album. Right. But and I don't, I don't, it's probably something to do with, you know, they're not marketable, I guess, you know, quote unquote. <laughs> but they should be huge. Like they're a band that, like th- that band could just as easily open for a band like Black Sabbath as they could, as they could Tom Petty. Like there's a, they could do both. Right. Right. And uh, I, w- 
you were saying that one of your favorite albums of theirs is in the future and i listened to that and it has like kind of like a softer side of it don't you think like a softer side to them uh i wouldn't say softer side i mean i would i would of their albums like of the five they have i think this one is probably the most it's probably the strongest album from front to back there's a couple of songs on you know the other albums where i, I would want to you know I could, I could do without that and I, I could skip over that one but this one from front to back just fucking plays great but it's got some heavy moments on it but i mean it's a, it is a little more i don't know i guess laid back it's more groovy than the other ones for sure, uh, they've categorized it as space rock, and it came out in 2008, actually January of 2008, and songs on this album uh, was featured on Showtime show Californication and in the movie Spider-Man 3, so there Wait, you go. The fucking uh, David Duchovny show? Yeah. Stay yeah. Free was used in both the second season of Showtime's Californication on the episode Going Down and Out in Beverly Hills. Cool. I didn't know that. There's a song <laughs> on there. There's a song on there called uh, Wo- Wooken. Yeah, Wooken. Dude, that song, that is a fucking epic, epic jammer right there. Like if you ever have a DJ night somewhere and you just want people to just crack their necks for like seven minutes. <laughs> Dude, just put, I'm telling you, put that song on. People will lose their shit. People, they'll be dry, they'll be dry humping on each other and stuff. That's a, that's a great song. It's good stuff. Yeah, no, yeah, they're, uh... they're really good. And then they have all these side projects too. So they have little offshoots of the band. So like the, the girl, I think her name's Amanda Weber or Amber Weber, Amber Weber, or Amanda Weber. I don't think she's in the. I don't think she's in the band anymore. Actually, but she is not. She has a group called Lightning Dust, that's really good. But it's like the same people, the same cast of characters that make up Black Mountain. They also play on her record. Then the main dude, Steve McBean, he's got a fucking band called Pink Mountain Tops, which is like I don't think there's a live drummer. I think it's like a drum machine, and then it's more kind of folky, I guess. Okay. But all man, all their side, all their side, all their side hustles are really good. And then the keyboard guy had this fucking album called. He did. I think it was. I think it came out on Death Waltz. Even it was a soundtrack to a movie. You'll have to look it up. I think it's called Sanoa Caves. Okay. And it's like Brian Eno, like the ambient works type sound and stuff. It's real, real atmospheric and. I can't remember what movie he did the soundtrack for. You'll know the movie if you look it up. It's like a weird, like sci-fi, like alien, alien type movie. Oh man, I'm trying to. My S- look it up. It's it's S I N O I A, and then caves. S I N O I A. I think that's how you spell it. Okay, Zanola Caves. Beyond the Black Rainbow? That's it. Yeah, Beyond the Black Rainbow. Have you ever yeah, seen that movie? I, oh, yes. I definitely have seen that. Okay, yeah. So the, the keyboard player in the band did the fucking did the music for that movie. Wonderful. Yeah, so, yeah there you go. Oh, my goodness. They're great, man. That's a great, that's a great band. That is, uh, that is good stuff. Uh, so the, 
the guy who directed Beyond the Black Rainbow, uh, Panos Cosmatos, uh, directed the recent movie with Nick Cage called Mandy, which was excellent. Yeah, you know what? That makes sense, too, because even the posters, like the... I guess that guy just has the a certain lighting effect he likes to use because those movies are very similar light-wise. Right. No, big fan, big fan. Oh, very cool. I like that. Yeah, check that out, dude. That's that's really good. The, the soundtrack is great. So Black Mountain, you being kind of in the music industry, is, is this available on vinyl, all of their albums on vinyl? Oh, yeah. I have all of them on vinyl, yeah. We're, I'm, we were, I was a big Chris, you know, CP really liked them too. Um, so we listen to them all the time at the store, man. Like just have that shit cranked. Like they're, that that's just a fucking fantastic band. Man, Black Mountain. Well, now I know what I need to get. <laughs> yeah. All of them get, get all of them. That, that's a band too, where like some people would, you know, they binge watch shows on TV, you know, when there's a, when there's a fucking pandemic. Um, I would like listen to to bands chronologically, you know, start at the first album and then get to the most current one. Listen to them in sequence. Yeah, this was this would be a great band to do that with, especially for someone that's like not familiar with them at all. Yeah, because from album to album, they kind of, you know, in the future is their second album, so it's pretty early in the catalog. Yeah, but uh. From album to album, man, there's like a there's big leaps they kind of take performance wise and uh, songwriting wise. Like they're they they definitely grow as a band as you as you listen to them. For sure, no, I I immediately when I started hearing the songs when I was listening to them uh, online, I was like, oh yeah, I'm a big fan now. So now I'm going to have to get Black Mountain. Yeah, well, the, like I said, I didn't get to see them on the. I don't even know if they came to Texas on the Destroyer tour. I don't feel like I saw their name promoted anywhere, but I'd love to see them again. They're they're really good live. Well, if they're going to come around at some point after all this is through, let's go together. Dude, I'm not opposed to going to Canada to check out a rock show. <laughs> go to can Well, we have to wait. We can't get into Canada. Shit. I'm so they'd be <laughs> not they'd, yet. Maybe letting people in. Come on in. We're ready. We're, we're ready. All right. So that is our Meet the Band, the Mountain. Let's move on to our, our one-hit wonder, our one-hit wonder segment. We talk about one-hit wonders. And uh, I'm ex- this I got to say, before you go any further, I'm I'm so glad. We've. It seems like we've only ever done one-hit wonders that we could just make fun of. For the most part, yes. But so I'm, I'm excited about this one because this, this is a really good one. Yes, this is a really good one. So yeah, it's not like um, what well, we did. Whoop! There it is by tag team. No, we did not. It's not one of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Similar um, vibe. Similar vibe here. Yes, it is. So this one hit wonder is from uh, a band that was formed in Memphis, Tennessee, in 1967, known as. The Box Tops. Oh, my gourd. They had a couple of songs that made singles, but their one hit wonder, the only one that really anybody knows them for that made the top of the charts was, of course, the the um, the song from August of 1967, The Letter. You know that song. How do you sing that? 
me a ticket for an aeroplane Ain't got time to take a fast train Lonely days are gone, I'm a-going home My baby just wrote me a letter I don't care how much money I gotta spend Got to get back to my baby again Lonely days are gone, I'm a-going home My baby just wrote me a letter ticket for an aeroplane there man this is a <laughs> this is blue-eyed soul at its finest it, it's so good and it was an international success and reached the top 10 in many other countries and the letter launched chilton's career and inspired numerous cover versions including joe cocker the king of covers he did. He did a cover of this and uh, went reached the charts too. Well, well do you it, know? You know who Alex Chilton is, right? Alex Chilton. Who's Alex Chilton? He went on to start Big Star. Big Star. Tell yeah, me, you, Big. You don't know who Big Star is? <laughs> Big Star. I wish I could come through the. I wish I could come through the computer right now and punch you. Why? Dude, because Big Star, Big Star is Big Star is another one of those bands that's like Wishbone Ash. Like everybody, you know who you know who Big Star is because you've seen that '70s show. So at the beginning, dang oh. it, that's Cheap Trick doing the song, but that's Big Star. That's a Big Star song. I can't believe you don't know Big Star, dude. This is crazy. No, don't know Big Star. How do I not okay. know Big Star? That you you should be ashamed of. Big Star is one of the best bands of all time. Um, what? How? I'm telling you, dude, you don't get out much. You don't know. We haven't been hanging out, so I'll give you a pass, but we need to remedy this real fast. But yeah, dude, that's that was Alex Chilton. That was and I think he's like, man, he's he's really young on this too. I think he's like 16 or 17 years old. Okay. And I love this. I, I'm a big fan of songs that are less than two minutes. And I think this song is like maybe right at two minutes. Um, uh, yeah, no, it's a one minute and 58 seconds. Real okay. short. Yeah, awesome. Um, but th- this song is just so fucking effective. Like, the chords, his voice is incredible. You have to look up how old he is on this, but it's like some weird Steve Winwood shit. Like, he's like 16 or 17 years old on, on Alex this song. Alex Chilton? Yeah, and, he's, yeah, and he, sounds like a, he sounds like a fucking, he sounds like an old black man. No, he he's he was born in 1950, and so if this came out in 1967, he probably okay, he was, was seven, 17. He was yeah. 17, yeah, yeah, he was very. But he does not sound like it. I mean, Justin Bieber sounded like a fucking 17 year old boy, you know? Yeah, you know what I mean? No, this, like, this sounds no, like an old. This sounds like an old black man. Old black. Man. <laughs> it's true. And this it's song true. was. And this song is. I'm I'm very partial to this song too because it was it was a uh, produced by one of my favorite favorite musician slash artist songwriters of all time nobody knows who he is but they know all of his fucking songs he was a behind the scenes guy his name was dan penn dan, okay dan penn um who what he did he did percy sledge and hank williams jr right janice joplin charlie rich dude he was a big he was a big uh like muscle shoals uh fame studios producer and songwriter session guy he worked with like you know uh 
did a lot of Aretha Franklin stuff. Uh, he wrote that song, Dark End of the Street. You know that song? Uh, yeah, but is that uh, James Carr? Yeah, well, he. It, a lot of people have done it, but yeah, that's like a just like a big staple. Like that's just a, a one of those songs that's just timeless. Like I had such a fucking good, such a great fucking song. Oh man, he I for, I forgot that he did uh, stuff with Albert King and Jerry Garcia. My goodness. Yeah, dude. So I'm I'm very partial to this song, but man, I and the vi- the music the video for this like if you ever watch it, it's it's like the box tops playing on like a band, like a sound stage type thing. And uh man, Alex Chilton just looks like so fucked up and angry in it. Like it's a very uncomfortable video to watch because he it, it kind of it's very punk rock for like 1967 he looks very angry and aggressive where like most things in 1967 was like very pleasant and you know happy right <laughs> this video this particular video like performance of it and it's them lip syncing you know it's just them making a video for the song but dude he looks fucking he looks like a fucking serial killer in it is what he looks like <laughs> Well, you know, yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness, uh, this this song is so good, and it does it doesn't get played very much. Like when people hear it, they know exactly. Like, I'm gonna go home, yeah, but baby, she wrote me a letter. Ah, oh, so good, and it so it reached number one in quite a few countries, everywhere from Australia to New Zealand, South Africa, Ireland. Uh, crazy. The UK, it, it, everybody loved it. Even reaching top 10 in Israel, Malaysia, Sweden, Denmark, is everybody loved this song. Did it reach, it reached number one in America? Surely it did. Uh, in America, it, yes, for sure. The Billboard Hot 100 and the Cashbox Top 100. Okay. Yeah, this is a great, man, great song. I want to listen to it right now. No, it it's it is that good, and I so, can't believe you don't know who fucking Big Star is though. Like that's crazy to me, because you're a music head. You're like you're a, you're like me, dude. You're a music head. No, how do I not know Big Star? Now I have to learn about it. Teach there's, me. There's a there's a you ought to just watch the documentary because it's one of the most. Do you know the band Badfinger? Do you or do you know that? Yeah, band? of course. That's Apple Music. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, S- similar similar luck situation for Big Star as it was to uh, um Badfinger. Yeah. Because they were on like they were from Memphis, so that's where Stax Records started. So Big Star was on Stax, so they had a rock and roll band on Stax. So they were like, well, how the fuck? We can't promote this, you know. Like, this is a this is a primarily black label, and these guys are white, so they yeah. never they never got any momentum. Like, they're they're much more famous now than they were then, right? Which is criminal, like totally fucking criminal. But there's a documentary that you you'll love it, man. It's 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 probably one of the best music docs ever. Well, I have to check that out. You gotta watch it, dude. It's 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 unbelievably great. Um, so this song was covered by the Mindbenders, which is a British group, and the Joe Cocker version, which Leon Russell was part of. And the Joe Cocker version of this letter was 
um, the the song was used in Tarantino's most recent film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Dude, I'll tell you what. That fucking uh, that's when he when that Stones song comes in on that movie, Out of Time. You know, at the end. Yep. That is the most. That might be one of the best. I'd put that up there with Badfinger, Baby Blue, at the end of Breaking Bad, as far as like perfect. <laughs> perfect use of a song in a movie slash tv show ever yes like that's man it, but you know what though I, I just i think about something for a second the joe cocker version of the letter though is like much longer than the original song it's it's more than double the length it's four minutes and ten seconds <laughs> the joe cocker one yes okay yeah that's what that's what I thought. I, th- I knew it was much longer. But that's Joe Cocker, though. The Joe I Co- prefer, yeah, he had, he had to go out there and dance around for a minute, figure out where he was. <laughs> man, I, I, I'll tell you what. I, I'd, I'd, I prefer the original, man, the OG, because, like, his Alex Chilton's voice on that, like, just to listen to that, to listen to that song, to hear his voice, and then just process in your head, like, this is a 16-year-old white kid it's unbelievable it's un unfucking believable it's it's super cool and i'm sure most people know this song but it is a great song uh this has to be like this is one of that's one of the best songs ever written in my opinion no it's wonderful and i guess the b side of this single is happy times i couldn't tell you i don't i only know i only i only know that song and i only want to know that song (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes, I'm because I'm, that's such a great. Like, that's a, that this is a textbook. Definition of one hit wonder like they that this is it. That's no, how you, for sure. that's how and you so, that's how you do it. Yeah. So the box tops were named the DeVilles. But when this song came out, the letter, they changed their name to the box tops. And yes, it and. Alex Chilton at the time was sixteen year old, sixteen years old when he did this song. And well, it was sixteen, not seventeen. Yeah, yeah we. Well, I guess he turned seventeen right after it came out, or something like that. But yeah, he was sixteen when he came up with it, and it's just kind of like, okay, damn, and what a voice! Unbelievable voice, yeah. But then, and then when you fast forward though into Big Star, like then when you go listen to Big Star, he sounds nothing, absolutely nothing like he like he did in in the on this box top song. Like you wouldn't even you wouldn't even think it's the same person. Yeah, it's crazy, 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 crazy. So the box tops the letter one hit wonder. Let's get into our main event of the unbalanced note here in June. I want June. some tutti fucking fruity. <laughs> I wonder if they had to pay Little Richard for that to use in that movie I, or that ice cream. I hope so. I mean. I would think that that's trademarked. Surely nope. it would be. I hope so. But uh, Little Richard, uh, born Richard Wayne Penniman in 1932 of December 5th. Oh, my. And he just recently passed away within a month ago. Yeah, it was like uh, a month or two ago. Yeah, he was almost 90. He was 87 years old. Uh, he was born in Macon, Georgia. 
And uh, he kind of created a whole genre of rock and roll, soul, and funk. He created, in my opinion, there's two people that created rock and roll simultaneously. Chuck Berry? No, not even even Chuck Berry. Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis. And Jerry Lee Lewis. Because they were slightly, Jerry Lee was slightly before Chuck. I think Chuck was still in prison for armed robbery. (laughs) Really? Really? Oh yeah, dude. Chuck Berry did prison time. Prison time. I mean, he's a fucking criminal, dude. He stuck cameras in a women's toilet. <laughs> but the biggest people in music for the time had had started to take notice of Little Richard, including who covered his songs: Elvis Presley, Buddy Holly, Bill Haley, Jerry Lee Lewis, the Everly Brothers, and Eddie Cochran. Uh, they all like. Back then, we're like, dude, we're gonna sing his songs because he's well, a badass. Well, he, I think he was one of the first guys to wear like, like Bill Haley and the Comets, right? That was super early. You can consider them, you know, pioneers of rock and roll, but they weren't, you know, the term showman hadn't existed. You know, and of course, there were blues guys like T Bone Walker who would like do the splits while he was playing live and you know play behind his head and stuff. But most people that were piano players. You know, like Fats Domino, they just sat at the piano and played. They never fucking jumped up and, you know, shot their foot across the piano and ran around and, you know, slid across the stage. And he was the ultimate performer, dude. I mean, like, Little Richard is the, to me, kind of the, kind of where the the whole rock and roll thing starts. Do you think he kind of uh, is like the godfather, the the maestro, the conjurer of R&B, Little Richard? Uh, mm, man, I don't know, because in, then in doing that, like, I'd well, say he's, I think he's, more, he's, more, he's more rock and roll, man. Like, to me, he's just more rock and roll, even though he did, you know, because he started off like he was a fucking, uh, you know, like most of those people did, they were, involved in the church so he was in the music thing in his church so a lot of his early music was religious you know same thing with like you know ray charles all those guys you know they started out doing religious you know religious music yeah and that you could consider some of that rhythm and blues and rhythm and blues had already been established like the term rock and roll hadn't been thought of like people knew rhythm and blues that's what that's what they knew so I wouldn't consider him rhythm and blues, although he had, you know, those undertones to him. I'd consider him straight up rock and roll because it was that he he had that energy that no one else had fucking done. Like you had, you know, like the like the Everly. I love the Everly Brothers. I'm a big, 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 huge fan of the Everly Brothers, but they're not they are not rock and roll. You know what I mean? They're like fin- they're very finesse. This pop music. Right. But little Richard came and went, I'm going to fuck, I'm going to fuck this whole landscape up. Like looking the way he looked, you know, being the, you know, Prince took a huge fucking page out of the little Richard playbook just on image alone. I mean, it's like, goddamn, look at him. (laughs) I mean, he's, he's running with it. For sure. For sure. I mean, he embraced it and he was he he owned it and he was uh, he was just badass. Like he I mean, I would say Michael Jackson took a little cue from him. Oh. Like, 
kind of like the outlandish style, or not outlandish, I should say that, but no, that uh, was like, right. You got you got it right. <laughs> flashy style of coming out with you know these outfits and like getting into it and just like oh man, that's fucking cool. <laughs> so, well, I mean, because he 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 had the I don't know if you call it intuition or foresight, but he kind of, he's one of those people that saw the future. Like he he saw where where it was headed. I mean. Think about what Little Richard came out wearing in like 1954. Right. And then you fast forward to Funkadelic in the late 60s, early 70s. Well, they're wearing the same shit. Yeah. Like he was, he already did it almost 20 years earlier. So, I mean, he was so ahead of the curve and especially at a time when, you know, race relations weren't ideal, you know, between blacks and whites. I mean, he he was i think he was what you could maybe consider like one of the first extremely successful crossover acts because even even let's let's just take like the most you know blatantly obnoxious racist person from that era when little richard came out right how could you not like that you know but in your head you you know you're like what well, I, I can't like this cuz he's a He's a homo negro from, you know, like people couldn't even they couldn't wrap their head around like, man, what's happening? Like, is this guy a fucking alien? Kind of the same thing with Hendrix. Like he he, he was a, he was he was like shell shock when people people saw and heard him. You know, he was so original and so ahead of his time. I, I, people they were just blown away by the whole thing. No, for sure. I think they were uh, it. But. It's his music that everybody loved. Like, oh man, I get behind this guy. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I mean, even even if he just would have only written like Tutti Fruity and Long Tall Sally, like that that would have been all he needed. You know, I mean, those songs are so fucking great. And then you just fast forward into like, you know, slipping and sliding, fucking uh, Good Golly Miss Molly. I mean, they're just high energy rock and roll songs that no nobody had nobody was doing that. And nobody could uh, evoke the the his style of vocals either. Well, he, he kind of like a, a like a raspy like rock voice, but then he could sing really well and get really high. Well, he he had yeah he had like a I think that's where his I don't know if the androgyny thing or however you want to call it has a big big part in that, but like when he started. You know, he had a big it was it was like an orchestra he had, you know, he didn't have like drums and bass and guitar, you know, because rock guitar hadn't even been invented yet. You know, Chuck Berry hadn't done it yet. So you here you had this, you know. Dude from the south bashing on this piano with a voice that could sound like Nina Simone and then go all the way up to sound like. You know, he had the range of like a Freddie Mercury, right? Like he could he could have sang anything if he wanted if he wanted to go fucking sing opera, he could have done it. There's no doubt about it. It's it's pretty crazy. And so during his early years, at some point, he found Jesus and started doing the Christian music tour circuits and became very deep into religious music. Is which is when he kind of uh, got with the Beatles a little bit and taught some of the Beatles how 
to play his songs. And I think the Beatles might have even opened for him at some point. So and then after that, he kind of got back into secular uh, tunes and he continued throughout his career making insane amount of wonderful songs and music uh, and on multiple different labels, playing with multiple different people and even getting into the film industry a little bit, too. And there are just tons of his his songs are in like many, 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 many movies, of course, from Predator to Explorers to everything else. So I, he, there, there's nothing he didn't do. <laughs> like it's yeah. kind of crazy. Dude, and he had fucking Jimi Hendrix played guitar for him for like, you know, two years, a year or two. Right. So no, it's right, like. Jimi Hendrix was Jimi Hendrix. He, Jimi Hendrix was in a suit playing backup guitar, basically. He was in the back. Yeah, he was just in the band. You know, he was the guitar player in Little Richard's backup band. I mean. Like, how crazy is that? And then you look at Jimi Hendrix and you go, okay, definitely took a fucking page out of the Little Richard playbook. I mean, the showmanship, the outfits, the, the, all of it. I mean, he, he's the fucking, he is the, what you call the OG for sure. Like, right. And like, you know, Little Richard inspired and kind of paved the way for James Brown and Otis Redding and Tina Turner, um, a, a whole bunch of people, like including Jimi Hendrix, Michael Jackson, maybe John Fogarty, a lot of people. I even yeah. think the Rolling Stones took a page out of uh, uh-uh. <laughs> Little Richard's book. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, just fucking all you got to do is. Like Mick Jagger, right? Like, and no one cares about anyone's fucking sexuality, right? Like, it's like, it's an after, it it shouldn't even be, it shouldn't even be, it's a non-issue, really. But, I mean, Jagger ran with the whole thing, you know? It's like, is he or isn't he? Who who cares? But people talk about it, you know what I mean? Yep. But there's a really good moment in that, have you ever seen the Lemmy documentary? I have not seen the Lemmy documentary, but I love Lemmy. He goes on, like, so there's a thing, you know, he lived down on, you know, by the Amoeba, you know, off, like, Sunset or so, like, Hollywood, right? And yep. he's he's walking to Amoeba to buy the Beatles mono box set when it came out, and they're talking to him, and, you know, he's like, oh, you know, the, the Beatles are my, you know, they're my favorite band ever, but, you know, I... Little Little Richard is is the is the best to me ever. I, Little Richard is the is where it, it where it starts and ends. Little Richard, I was like, yeah, he's totally right. He is, he is for sure. So like back in uh, 1951, Little Richard uh, had his first two singles, but it wasn't until 1955 in October with Tutti Frutti came out and just everybody went crazy in 1955. And then just shortly after that, Long Tall Sally, Slippin' and Slidin' came out. Uh, Lucille, Keep a Knockin', Good Golly, Miss Molly, and one of my favorites, All Around the World. Uh, I I love these songs. Yeah, I don't really get much into like, uh, I don't know, like 1978 on. Because I think yeah, that's so like he got 50s. he got real into fucking PCP and shit, you know. Like he's a fucking heavy, heavy drug user. And but then again, I mean, when when like 
1977 rolls around, he'd already been he'd already been doing music for 20 years. Most right. people don't even have most people don't even have a 20 year music career. He had a fucking 50 plus year music career. Yes, that's insane. No, it, it, it is insane. I mean, he it, it's it's pretty crazy. And you know, to have your first album ever have Tutti Fruity, Slippin' and Slidin', and Long Tall Sally on it. Those are, I mean, what do you do? Where do you go from there? Well, you you make even more. <laughs> he, goes, he goes he goes to the men's bathroom. <laughs> oh my! And it's weird because. The only album of his really to make the charts was his first album, which is really, really weird. Here's Little Richard. Does that surprise you? No, because that's what I'm saying. You have to look at it. That's where like context is key, right? Like for him to have successful successful albums means white people had to run out and buy them, and that just you know they didn't know what to do. They were like they were torn because they were told one thing, and then their hearts and their heads are telling them, you know, this isn't right. And this guy's really fucking good. So I'm not surprised at all about that. Actually. It's Cause uh, it had, like the term crossover hadn't happened. You know what I mean? Like people weren't talking about that in 1955. They were, they were segre there was segregation. You know what I mean? Like think about it. No, it's crazy. And he's in all of the music hall of fames starting from 1984 when he was inducted into the Georgia music hall of fame. And from there in 1986, he was in the rock and roll hall of fame, Hollywood walk of fame, American music award of merit songwriters hall of fame, all pretty much all of them. He's in there. <laughs> yeah. He should have been like, he should have been the first one. Like they should have had Elvis, Jerry Lee, Chuck Berry, Little Richard. Like, those should always be bam, bam, bam. First one's in. No doubt about it. It's uh, it's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. So, where do you see Little Richard in music now? Like, is there anybody that kind of exudes him today? I don't think anyone would dare. To, I mean, no, not really. I, but, you know, then again, like, that kind of that kind of like meat and potatoes rock and roll like bare bones stuff that that like little richard would do like little richard wasn't worried about overdubs cuz he could get it on the first try nowadays you know things are so overproduced and you know punch in punch outs i don't think anybody really has the energy that he had i mean i think people definitely more take from the fashion sense of him than anything else you think so? You don't you, think they kind musicians? of musicians? Yeah. No. You okay? You tell me one then. I can't think of one that's like yeah. you know in the last ten years. No, I can't. Because he was a renegade, dude. Like no one could do that. He's an he was a fucking alien. Like, <laughs> I mean, well, are you gonna are you gonna sit here and try to compare? Oh, maybe Post Malone was a Little Richard fan, or is no. a Little Richard fan? talking about I mean, i'm sure post malone's a little richard fan but you know there's nothing of that i mean i want i'm curious i mean little richard just passed away a month ago so he probably knew who post malone was but i'm curious on what he thought about him like Dude, I, I could i i could go on out on a limb here and tell you what he probably thought about him are you are, like the i guess if there was an interview that would have had to have been released he would have probably been pretty pleasant but Dude, it's like, no. 
<laughs> the guy doesn't play an instrument. Like, why would why would one of the best? I, I I'm 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 speechless right now. I'm so you're speechless right now. Okay, so let me get you un unspeechless, and I want to ask you a little trivia question. Uh, what is Little Richard's uh, tie to rest, pro wrestling? Oh, wait a minute. I know the answer to this because he sang like America the Beautiful at a WrestleMania. He hold sure on did. a minute. Hold on. <laughs> I, hold on. Because I just, I actually just, I actually saw something the other day where it was, uh, it was like, it was, it was like a, it was like a YouTube clip of like when music worked in wrestling and when it didn't. Because most of the times it's not good, but I think it was WrestleMania 4. Nope, WrestleMania 10. Damn. It. Okay, I thought it was earlier. You than were that. on there. I mean, yeah, you were. Who was? Wait a minute. Nineteen ninety-four. Aretha Franklin was at one. She was, but nineteen ninety-four, it was. Um, it, it was Little Richard singing the "America the Beautiful." You were very correct in that. I knew that because <laughs> I, I can even yeah. I did, and so I, that I, was. You know, one of the main events was Bret Hart and Yokozuna. <laughs> Wait a minute, was this the was WrestleMania ten the one that was like at Caesar's Palace? Um, it was at uh, it was at Madison Square Garden in New York. Oh, okay, it wasn't the outdoor the outdoor one where Hulk Hogan had the black eye. No, no, this one was Bam Bam, Bam Bigelow and Doink the Clown, Owen Hart uh, defeating Bret Hart. Razor Ramon uh, and Shawn Michaels in a ladder match, uh, but yeah, that does, uh, that's what it was. Hey, you know what? I, I can answer. I can actually. I, I thought of someone, someone somewhat current who kind of mirrored uh, what Little Richard did. Well, the the, the Andre three thousand. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, from Outcast for sure. Totally. And you know who else? You know who else? I would say is owes a a huge debt to uh, Little Richard would be Elton John. For sure, because you know when you you when you your first images in your head of Little Richard is him playing the piano in some crazy outfits, just banging away on the keys, standing up, kicking down stuff. Definitely Elton John too. Yeah, I mean he. I can't. I don't think. I think any sort of person that whose heart is into music like is doing it for the right reasons i don't think there's not anyone that isn't influenced by little richard right that's a good that's a good answer i mean he's one like as cliche as it is you know they're cliche because they're cliche but he's one of a kind man like absolutely one of a kind for sure for sure uh i i i like that uh I like that. I like that about you. Uh, but yeah, this is Little Richard. He's a damn good dude, and um, he uh, he died a month ago, I guess, of causes related to bone cancer, which was unfortunate. But um, pretty but much yeah, every. Old, but wait a minute, how old was he though? I mean, Eight, he seven. had to have been like ninety. Okay, yeah. Eight, so seven. that's. <laughs> so, but yeah, no, like. Bob Dylan, Paul McCartney, Mick Jagger, John Fogarty, Elton John, Lenny Kravitz, and John Waters. Oh yeah, that's a, Lenny Kravitz. That would be another. That's that's a good one. Yeah. What he about Bootsy Collins? Duh. <laughs> 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 I mean, shit. Ray Charles could have seen that one. 
<laughs> do you uh, like Lenny? Do you like Lenny Kravitz? Oh, dude, I love Lenny Kravitz. Are you being Are you being sarcastic? Or are you being serious? No, I love Lenny Kravitz. I, I, do, I do. I do. I do too. You know who else is a really big fan? Who? One of someone we're very good friends with. Jonathan Kimbrell. Kimbrell loves him because <laughs> he came. He, he, he. I think Jonathan texted me one day and was like asking me if I was at work. And I said, yeah. And then he res- he sent me a text that was like, don't judge me, but do you have any Lenny Kravitz records? And then little did he know that I'm a, I'm a fucking big fan, so I'd always have, you know, the three that I really liked. We, we always had. But we just happened to have had like 10 of his albums. And Kim Burrell was like, whoa, I can't believe Good Records has these. And I was like, dude, Lenny Kravitz, like, Lenny Kravitz is the shit, man. Like, he's really fucking good. No, for sure. He's badass. We should do and an episode. We should do an episode on him. I was, I, I'm a big, big fan of his. We'll do Lenny Kravitz. Yes, we will. Um, and then we mentioned early, earlier, Little Richard was in movies, so he was, uh, he was in Down and Out in Beverly Hills, of course. He was in a Purple People Eater. He was in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. That, I was about to say, dude, he's, yep, he's the voice in Bill and Ted. That's right. <laughs> he's also in fucking uh wasn't he in rocky uh four i don't think he was in rocky four no, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm gonna i'll look him up i'll look that up but i know he's in last action hero though <laughs> wait he's <laughs> in last action hero he is as um i think as himself but i'm looking i'm looking on imdb right now to see if the rocky four thing because now that you say that, I'm just kind of like, wait, was he? No, because uh, it's different. living in America. That's he's James he's Brown. that. Oh fuck, that's right. <laughs> well, I'm not, but didn't but isn't James Brown wearing a jacket that looks like something that Little Richard should be wearing? Like, doesn't he have like a flamboyant, loud jacket on? Well, yeah, it's all the America stuff, right? No, no, no. I, I was like, I think it's like sequins or something. Oh, it might be. I have to, yeah. He's but, in another. Hold on. He's in another movie though. I mean, he down and out in Beverly Hills, where he plays like an actual character named Orvis Goodnight. Uh, he's the mayor and purple people eater. Um, but yeah, most of the other things he's in, he just plays himself. He was in The Naked Truth in 1992, which is pretty awesome. He was in an episode of Baywatch. The Simpsons? <laughs> really? <laughs> Little Richard was in Baywatch? Yeah, he was in, he was his character name was Maurice in nineteen ninety-five. The episode called The Runaways. Didn't know that. <laughs> and he was also in the Drew Carey show, uh at the specific episode Drew Stock. Drew Stock? Mm-hmm. <laughs> huh. Damn, yeah. Well, I guess I can't be right all the time. It's all good. It's all it, good, man. But he, so? yes, yes, it is. But he's, oh my goodness, this is crazy. I'm just so great, so great. Uh, little Richard, again, born ni- December fifth, nineteen thirty-two, died May 9th, twenty twenty, just a little bit ago. And uh, his music is crazy. Like we all remember in Predator them singing long tall sally on the way to drop down in the jungle 
Man, and one of my favorite fucking covers of that song is this is probably another band that you've never heard of before. They're called Cactus. Okay. They were supposed to be like the American answer to uh, like Led Zeppelin. Yeah. It was, it was like two of the guys from the Vanilla Fudge. Uh, but they do a man. They, I wouldn't say it's better than the Little Richard one. Actually, I would. I would say it's better than the Little Richard one just because it's more guitar driven than, you know, piano obviously. Yeah. But man, that song like they take the they take a nasty Little Richard song and make it nastier. I mean, it's gnarly, dude. And they're, <laughs> and they're like they're like scuzzy dudes from like Detroit. You know what I mean? Like, it just sounds dirty. It, it would be like if the Stooges did it. No, that's cool. It's good, man. You should check it out. That's another band for you, Cactus. I've bombarded you today with new material. You have. Thank you, by the way. Probably forgotten all of it. And I told and I told you, and I, I guess I bombarded you with that was James Brown and Rocky Four. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, man. I, he, I'm he's in something. I just can't think of it. But I remember because he's got like this. It's like a like a purple sequined jacket on, you know, I'll, I'll, fi- I'll, I'll figure it out. Figure, figure it out. Let maybe, me know. Thanks. I might not. I might, I might not. <laughs> well, that wraps up our episode of the unbalanced note this week. We will be back on a regular schedule. Very, very excited. Jacob and I are hopefully will be bringing on new guests, new, new musicians that we can talk with. It'll be excellent. Uh, but that is our episode for today. Little Richard, Black Mountain, The Letter by the Box Tops, and of course Argus Wishbone. Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Wishbone. <laughs> Get it right, Wishbone Ash Argus. I'm not going to let you screw that up. <laughs> what did I say? Argus Wishbone. <laughs> like Brian, I, Brian going to do incomplete. This is incomplete sentences with Brian Kluger. I know. Well, I was thinking of Beverly Hills Cop, too, when Axel Foley was on the phone pretending to be Johnny Wishbone. (laughs) Get your your mind right. Get my mind right. Yes, Wishbone Ash Argus. It is wonderful. And uh, Jacob Douglas can be found all over the internet, including uh, Pornhub and Instagram, right? Just the only Pornhub. I had to delete my Instagram because I was getting too, it was too much pornography on there. Okay, good. But you can find them at Scrumchalescence on Instagram, right? That is correct. And you, you're you in a new band. Are they playing anytime soon? Where can everybody come see you? We played last Saturday at up in uh, Richardson. Okay. It's an outdoor gig. It was like a fun, like a fundraiser thing. Um, and we're playing on Monday. We're doing this like podcast thing. A buddy of mine works for... Uh, He's like a brand ambassador for McAllen, I think, uh, you know, Scotch. So we're doing a podcast thing that they do called the Digital Speakeasy. Cool. So we're playing. I'll send you the link to it. I think we play at like three. But uh, yeah, Dallas is still like not doing shows. Yeah. So we've been venturing up, trying to venture up to the Burbs and, and play. But that show we played last week, at, there's this place called Northside brewery or Northside tavern something like that the guy liked us so much he's like man i want you guys to play here once a month so we'll be doing that again Ooh, you got a residency i know right and they got they got pretty good food too i'm i'm just i got my taste buds back finally so now i'm like 
finding what I like and what I don't like again. Right. Is there <laughs> so, anything like you like that you didn't like or didn't like that you like now? See, well, I used to eat at Big Shucks all the time. You knew that. Yep. And uh, so I love seafood. And I'm just I, the thought of it now just not into it. And I and I, I wanted to stop eating ice cream anyway. You know, I have a problem with ice cream. Yep. Um, I don't want that at all. That just the thought of any sort of dairy just makes me makes my stomach turn. Okay. So it's well, now, yeah, it's been weird. Like there's been some things that I, I like a lot that I don't like at all anymore. And then newer things that I like I never liked strawberries and now I have like a craving for strawberries all the time. Ooh. Well strawberries. So I would I would say anyone that's looking to change their palate, I would highly suggest chemotherapy. For, <laughs> to to get to get your if you just want to be a new you and have some new food tastes and and likes and dislikes chemo is the way to go (laughs) you heard it from jacob douglas yeah and Uh, i ain't lying i can attest to it yes that's true um and i'm brian kluger you can find me at boomstick comics high def digest and screen rant as well as instagram youtube and almost everything else, I'm on there. Just Pornhub. Yep. Pornhub. Porn, I'm on uh, Pornhub. Yeah, Pornhub. <laughs> Word in uh, unbalanced note, little Richard, we love you, and we will be back next time. <laughs>